Apollos has apparently been, well, well, it says that Apollos is in Corinth. And I want you to know who some of these characters are that are involved here. Apollos was a, an Alexandrian Jew who was uh, a disciple of John who became a tremendous preacher. And he was preaching in Corinth, I believe, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him and they could tell something just wasn't quite right. He was leaving some stuff out. And so they pulled him aside and they told him a more excellent way of God, the, the more excellent way of God. And the thing is, is that Apollos had only been baptized in the baptism of John, which is a baptism of repentance. And he was preaching about Jesus and about how he had died and was resurrected and how he was going to be coming again uh, to judge the quick and the dead. And he was getting tremendous response, but there was just something lacking. And so they explained to him that he needed to make a commitment to Jesus. And so he did. And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he became a contemporary of Paul. And he and Paul were uh, of just about equal popularity in Corinth. You'll see Paul telling uh, the Corinthians that now y'all are divided now. <clears throat> Some say I'm of Paul and others say I'm of Apollos. But really, it's the same Jesus. And that's who we ought to be united in. And so he made that clear. So we have Apollos. Then we have Paul. We know who Paul is. And then we have these disciples uh, that Paul runs across outside of Ephesus. And these 12 disciples uh, were disciples again of John the Baptist, who had continued on uh, uh, in their devoutness to God and to uh, the, the second coming of Jesus, you know, they were expecting him to come back. Uh, John had preached that the kingdom of God was at hand and that people needed to get ready. And so these guys, they were doing everything they could to be ready. And they believed in Jesus, but they really didn't know all the things about Jesus. They'd only gotten so far and they hadn't really grasped what it meant that John said when he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. They were baptized into a baptism of repentance. They showed God that they were sorry and we're asking for forgiveness. And that's as far as it went. There was no, how do we live or no new life given because just repenting doesn't give us new life. It's the beginning. Uh, it's the beginning, but it's not the whole thing. And so uh, we go on down through here. We've got these guys and then Later on, we see that 
after these guys had received the Holy Spirit, that uh, Paul went on into Ephesus and great miracles happened during his preaching. Tremendous things were going on. And there were a lot of people that practiced magic there and a lot of exorcists there. And there were seven sons of Siva we read about. And I think this is fascinating because we see a lot of the same thing going on today. These guys uh, believed in spiritual things. They believed in God and they uh, were casting demons out of people. But they saw that Paul was having more success than them in casting out demons. And so they tried to figure out what it was that Paul was doing that made him more successful in his exorcism ministry. And so they decided to copy him. And so they tried to cast the demons out of this, or a demon out of this guy. And they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And the demon inside this guy says, I know who Jesus is, and I know who Paul is, but who are you? And then he attacked them, tore their clothes off of them, and they ran out of the building battered and beaten. And the thing is, I th there's one lesson, a side lesson we can learn from this, and that is you don't copy somebody else's ministry. That's the most popular thing today. You'll see somebody, you'll look around and you'll see uh, a church starts to grow and everybody starts looking at that church and they say, ooh, what are they doing? What's that preacher doing? We need to do things like them so we can have church growth. And so they will try to analyze and maybe the pastor will even write a book or two about what's making the big difference in their church. And so then everybody starts trying to copy the ministry of a church over here. And they start trying to follow the steps that it took for them to uh, do this. But the thing is, just in taking steps and going through the uh, motions that somebody else does doesn't give you that spontaneous personal uh, connection with God that brings about any sort of success in the kingdom of God. It's always it's just like God doesn't have any grandchildren. All he has are children. You're not going to get into heaven on your grandparents' religion. You're not going to get into heaven by what your parents believed and did. He doesn't have grandchildren. You, we must each become his child. And the way that we do that is to be born again. We know that. So uh, in all these things, we see there are all sorts of different people involved. And all of these people are committed in some way to some aspect, at least, of God. And even though they have a deep commitment and many of them are sincere, some of them are committed, but they're not complete. 
Something is missing. And this is what we see today in the passage that we read. Paul comes upon these guys and he sees them and he can tell something's not right. And so he asks them, in what baptism were you baptized? And they said, when John's baptism. And so he then said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. They just didn't have the faith in Jesus factor in there yet. Faith in God doesn't put you in the right spot. You got to have faith in Jesus and in what he did for you and on what he offers you and the faith in the life that he has for you, trusting in him to know best for you in life. And uh, uh, they were missing all of that. So then they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and that means they committed their lives to him. Every whit, every bit of it, he was going to be their Lord from that moment on. And when they gave himself themselves to him, the Lord gave himself to them through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's question, what baptism is a question for each one of us today. I just want to ask you, what baptism were you baptized in? Because there are a lot, I see all sorts of different baptisms besides being baptized into Jesus going on today. There is the baptism of repentance where people, they, uh, they don't put it all together. They know they have a fear of God. They're afraid they're going to go to hell. They want to be saved. And so they're baptized, but they really don't have faith in the one that they are supposed to be giving themselves to. They're going through motions trying to buy fire insurance, more or less. They're just trying to make sure they have all their bases covered. And so their baptism is no more powerful than the baptism of John. They're committed but they're not completed. And you can see uh, people like that all over. They went through the motions, but they didn't make the commitment and that, 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 that they had to make in order to be completed in him. Uh, I can remember a dear friend of ours. He's gone on to be fully in the presence of the Lord. Now, John Kendall, he was a good Baptist. And he'd been baptized, and, uh, but he kept on falling back into sin. And he would, he would feel bad about it. And he, would, he, said, I just, he said, his words were, I just, about wore my, my, I just about wore my rededicator out. Every time there was an altar call, he was there at the altar asking for God's, for God's forgiveness and a clean start. And the thing is, he would receive that forgiveness and that would only go so far until he was tempted again. And since he hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit, he didn't have the power 
to overcome the sin that was at work in his life. He hadn't given all that stuff over to the Lord. And since he didn't, hadn't been filled with the Spirit, he didn't have the Spirit's power at work in his life. And so he just kept rededicating and rededicating. I remember there was a girl in my hometown. Everybody just laughed because she was just like that. They, they said they didn't know what all she was doing, but she must be doing some bad stuff because she was down there every time there was an altar call, just crying. And so uh, that's just it. In and of ourselves, we cannot be complete. So uh, there's uh, the baptism of repentance. There's a baptism. Uh, there's church baptism. Some people, and I can, I cringed one time when I heard my first district superintendent when he said, I remember when I gave my life to the church. And I thought, no, no, you don't give your life to the church. You give your life to the Lord, and that makes you a part of his church. And, uh, but he, he believed that it was the church that saved. And there are a lot of people that believe that. They think that the church is like the ark. And uh, if you'll recall, uh, Noah's ark, all the people that were on board were saved. Those that were not on board perished. And so the, the, uh, there are some denominations, this is their theory, that if you join the church, then you're saved. But the thing is, joining the church doesn't make you a Christian, doesn't make you the Lord's. It takes something more. There's also a denominational baptism. People uh, uh, are baptized into, well, I want to be a Methodist. I want to be a Baptist. I, I want to be a Catholic or whatever, you know. Uh, and they are baptized into the church. It's basically uh, joining the church. It's very similar to uh, getting on the ark sort of a thing. And then there's religion baptism where people are just uh, into the tradition and all that sort of stuff. And they need more than just the tradition. They're not going to have any power. Uh, then there's the, my friend did it, so I guess I need to do it too, sort of baptism. Uh, there's, uh, our, well, my father, he said the day that he got baptized, his big brother got up and walked down, so he just followed him on down. And that was how he got baptized was uh, it wasn't any commitment. He was just doing what his brother did. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, then a lot of kids come confirmation time. It's the everybody else is doing it, baptism. And so they go through the motions just because everybody else is going through the motions. There's the please my parents baptism. And then there's the... Uh, Turn over a new leaf baptism. Uh, there are all these different baptisms that have nothing to do with giving ourselves to God through Jesus Christ and through receiving and appropriating what he did on the cross for them and are receiving the new life that he has to offer. And this is just it. People just don't hear. You know, like these guys, they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So many people 
It's not through their own fault that they wind up being unaware of the fact that there is a powerful presence that's available for those who give themselves to the Lord and receive what he has paid for for them. John Wesley was one of them, did everything in the world possible to please God. I mean, all the Methodist stuff that he and the Holy Club did was done before John Wesley was filled with the Holy Spirit because he was trying to work his way into heaven instead of giving his life to the Lord and receiving what the Lord had done for him. What was missing in John Wesley's life is what's missing in lots of Methodists, Baptists, and everybody else's lives today. And that is, he just had not seen the whole picture. He had not seen that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was a full and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He knew that his sin separated him from God, and he knew that he was trying, he was praying, he was doing everything to get it right. But when he finally saw that Jesus did something, and Jesus wanted to do something, and he was able to just receive the fact that it's what Jesus did on the cross that paid for his sins. Whenever he got that, all of a sudden, he felt that his heart was strangely warmed. And from that moment on, there was a power in his preaching that had not been like that before. You see, John John Wesley was one who had been baptized basically into John the Baptist baptism, a baptism of repentance. And he missed the fullness of what God had to offer. Now, there are so many people. Look at these people that were baptized in the, these 12 disciples. It's they, they believed in God. Uh, they knew that he was going to send his Messiah to set the world straight. Uh, and they knew if you weren't right with God when he came, that you would experience his wrath. And they were telling other people about this. They believed that sincerely. And knowing this, they had repented of their sins. They had publicly made it clear that they wanted to renounce their sin. And they'd been baptized in order to receive forgiveness. They knew that Jesus was the Son of God and that he had died on the cross and risen from the dead and that he was that Messiah who was going to be the coming judge, who was going to judge the quick and the dead. And they were awaiting his return and telling people about this. But all of this, and they were missing the most important thing. They were missing the most important thing. They had not given themselves to the Lord. And there's a difference. They hadn't given themselves to Jesus. This is uh, when we're, the day when we're 
celebrating the baptism of the Lord. When the baptism, when the Lord went and was baptized, he was committing to go through all that he knew he had to go through in order for us to find salvation and wholeness and completeness because we were separated from God and we needed a new birth. He told uh, Nicodemus this, he, we needed to be born again. And then uh, he went ahead and he fulfilled his commitment. But notice that whenever he committed himself to this work, the Holy Spirit came upon him and empowered him to go through with the commitment that he made and helped him to get done what needed to be done. And so now then we are told that we need to be baptized into Jesus' baptism. And John the Baptist told his disciples to believe in him. Not just to believe that, for, that baptism brings forgiveness, but to believe in Jesus. And that means to believe his words, to believe what he said, to believe what he said when you, he said you need to be born again, uh, that the, you needed the Holy Spirit. You know, he said the Holy Spirit blows where, where he will. You can't see, just like the wind, you can't see where it's going, but you can see what it's done. And this is the way it was with these disciples. You could see that the Spirit wasn't blowing on them. You could see that it wasn't present. Now, what it takes is a heart filled with faith and trust that God has the best for you and a willingness to openly give yourself totally to him. You see, it's not just asking for his forgiveness. It's committing to live a life. And in committing to live this life, you have to receive that life. He has the life he created you to live. And that life will be given whenever you are willing to receive it. And that's why you say, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. You invite him in. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And anyone who opens the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. He's offering the most intimate and personal and powerful and peaceful relationship you could ever know in your life. It comes whenever you just say, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm giving myself to you every bit. Not just here I am, Lord, I'm going to try to be good from now on. Quit trying to be good and receive his forgiveness and then walk on in the power that he's going to have give to you. So you say, well, here I am. I give myself to you. And you know what he does? He says, well, here I am, so and so. And I have given myself for you. 
And now I give myself to you and go ahead and receive what he offers. And let me tell you, it is good. It is good. You will have his presence and you will have his power in your life in ways that you've never been before, had before. So whenever we come to the Lord's table today, we're going to, as we go through the liturgy, we're going to hear that he gave himself as a full and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He paid for your sins. He paid for your forgiveness. He paid for everything you feel that God is holding against you. And what we come and remember is to receive what he has done and commit to what he is going to be doing in us. And so I encourage you that whenever you come and receive again what he has done for you, that you will say, Lord, here I am. I give myself to you and expect him to give himself to fill you with his Holy Spirit as you receive these elements this morning and go forth, not in your own strength, but trusting in him working in you and through you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.